How to Overcome Adversity in Life, Salima's Story of Taming Fear. Hello, friends. Ever, ever felt stuck due to fear after an adversity? How can you overcome adversity in life and tame the fear that keeps you from being your best? In today's story, Salima is going to share. You're going to learn how she tamed her fear after an adversity. What helped her may help you too. Thank you, friends, for joining us today. I'm sure you're going to learn a lot from our guest, Salima Jadavji. Hello, Salima. Hi, Dr. Rosina. Thank you so much for inviting me here today. You're welcome. I'm so excited that you joined. Salima has been helping people move on in their life by overcoming fear and other emotions that hinder success. She's a clinical social worker and hypnotherapist and has been working in different departments at the University of Toronto, and she provides psychotherapy in her private practice, Dare to Heal. And if this is the first time you guys are joining us, my name is Dr. Rosina, and I am here to help you improve your stress, anxiety, and depression. Over the last 20 years, I have been serving as a medical doctor specializing in psychiatry, a best-selling author, and a transformative speaker. I started this program, Happy and Healthy Mind with Dr. Rosina, because I believe that a lot of suffering can be prevented with mind training. And here we share practical tips for your mental fitness so you don't have to suffer unnecessarily. These interviews are broadcasted live every Saturday at 11 a.m. Pacific time, both on Facebook and YouTube. If you're joining us during the live program, you can ask questions by putting them in comment section. And if you would like to get text for reminders for future program, you can text JOYFUL to the number 38470, and we'd be happy to send you the reminders next time. So before we start, let me share this disclaimer that all this information is for education purposes and should not be considered treatment. Please refer to your healthcare professional for specific advice. So coming to today's topic, how to overcome adversity. Let's hear Salima's story of how she overcome adversity and overcame her fear. So Salima, why don't you tell us how did this issue become important in your life? Okay, so I mean, well, I certainly have been through my fair share of adversity in my lifetime. I really have been through a lot from accidents to ongoing medical trauma, loss, grief, you know, it sometimes uh, feels that I actually have gone through more than one person can handle. And at one of my lowest points that I hit, that was at a time when it really came least expected. It came at a time when I was living and, and thriving and really in my full element and out of nowhere, that's when it happened, when I least, least expected it. So what happened is that I was attacked by a residential fire at work, and I sustained uh, several life-altering uh, injuries, and that really set me back beyond anything uh, imaginable, really. Yeah, I can't imagine. Yeah, and during that time, like it really felt like I had lost like everything. It, it felt like everything had gone down the drain, like my education, my work, my career path, my heart connections, even like my passions and my sense of work. I, I had no feelings. I just, I went numb. I didn't really feel capable. And I certainly felt defeated. Each day kind of felt like the fight. And I was at war. And most of the time I was at war with myself, really. What else? 
it just, it took everything out of me. It drained yeah. everything that I had. I didn't have capacity to try to even do what I knew to do. Yeah. I was in the field and, you know, like with all the adversity that I had already been through before this one that I was able to overcome and reframe and heal from, initially it almost felt as if like none of it pre prepared me for this particular moment. Yeah. Uh, and like, I, I, I don't know what else to say other than at that time, I felt trapped. I really felt misunderstood and I really could recognize myself or even understand myself. So I can't actually imagine from the outside in how anyone saw what yeah. I yeah, your story reminds me like, you know, just I'm reliving my accident when I went through that was kind of pretty devastating for me when I broke my right hand in a car accident. And it, it was very, very difficult. So I can't imagine if, you know, getting injured at work and having so many injuries. So let's kind of fast forward a little bit. So that was then. And this is now. Tell us how, after you applied all the tools that you are going to teach some of them today, where are you now? I would say like, if you're asking me for like, you know, that was my before, this is my after. After I really was feeling like I had control again, feeling that um, capacity of being able to be free and do that liberated feeling that I hadn't felt in a long time i mentioned i was feeling trapped so i actually felt that there was some sort of liberation it was it was feeling like i was reclaiming the parts of myself that i had longed for i mean it took about two years uh, to recover from like the bulk of what i had been through with all of the physical components and the, and the, tra the trauma components with lots of what felt like tons of risk taking i went back into the mental health field so that was something that I, I wanted to keep focusing on. And so, you know, that was the desire I had to keep moving forward in my career. I don't think I always knew how it was going to happen, but I guess just enough to know that I wanted to allowed me to focus more on the process. So I started to reconnect with old friends and, and colleagues and my confidence and self-worth just showed up and mm -hmm. the way it was previously. And I, yeah. Wonderful. So you went from a very, very difficult circumstances that happened, came out of nowhere. You went through several years of suffering, but you came on the other side. And so let's kind of see what are some of the tools that helped you through your journey so our audience can benefit from. So can you teach us some of the tools that helped you? Well, yeah, actually, just before I go into the tools or even what I did, I think it would be helpful for me to just say that, you know, this was a healing journey and it was transformative and it really did feel like a mountain climb. So if you think about a mountain and you don't really know what sort of, um, you know, what, what sort of path you're going to come across and, you know, you have to make shift and you have to switch gears and you have to come up with new plans constantly. And so I really felt like the whole time, like I mentioned before, I was really focusing on where I wanted to be and where I wanted to go. So I guess, yeah. Yesterday you were talking about like, you know, this concept of daring or dare to really helped you. So tell us a little bit more about that. So, yeah. Okay. So maybe what I'll do is I'll start to tell you a little bit about my process. I'll tell you a little bit about what I did so that we can get to that daring concept that you're sure. so here for sure. me. Talk about it was um, just exciting so yeah. 
<laughs> it was a good one. Yeah. Well, okay. So, so like I said, I was paying attention to my process. I paid attention to each step, right? So yes, I had my eye on the prize, but I was really focusing on what, what I needed to do to navigate what was in front of me. And so sometimes it meant to take breaks and pauses. And then when I felt a little bit more replenished, then I could keep going. So yeah, those pauses, those detours, maneuvering all of those unexpected obstacles, even in this particular journey, you know, really sort of helped me the way, I guess, focusing on the, the process, it really helped me stay present. You know, it really helped me be mindful of, of each moment that arose. And then I started to take care of myself the best way I knew how. It might not have been the best way, according to someone else, but I was taking the steps to take care of myself the best way that I knew how. I started to use my voice to share my inner turmoil. And I reached back to accept the hands of people that were reaching to me rather than just isolating. So I really went inward and showed myself compassion and gave myself permission to be vulnerable, uh, something I think we forget to do. And I really gave myself permission to unlayer as well. And what so whatever was holding on to, I was giving it a place to sort the pieces, right? And then because I was able to pay attention to my process, I think I was able to really tap into what seemed like the scariest of times and giving it the attention really, really helped. And so my takeaway from that was like turning inwards and confronting the adversity uh, and all the fear that tagged along. I could name it. I could tame it. And I rightfully could take that control because I found that I could have the ability to be the calm in the center of chaos. And essentially, I dared myself to heal. And so when you talk about your inquiry about that daring concept that's actually how dare to heal was born so dare to heal let's talk is the name of my practice where i provide um services um but dare to heal was born under the pretense of the willingness to take charge that the idea of taking risks and giving yourself permission to have vulnerability and show up with vulnerability and no matter the ex what our experiences are unless we're actually willing to take that risk we won't be able to get to the desire of where we want to go. And it isn't until we're faced with a dare, usually, that we ever consider to do the thing that we never thought we would do. So oftentimes we might be inundated with things that we tell ourselves like, oh no, I couldn't do that, or I would never be able to do that, or mm, that's not my thing, I'll just be comfortable over here. But when someone says to you, that you can't do that, or I dare you, come on, just give it a try. Then it's almost like you have to prove yourself, right? Our ego starts uh, getting primed and we kind of feel like we've got to do this, right? Have you ever been in that circumstance where someone dares you and you're like, oh my goodness, now yeah. I've got to... Yeah, I, I, you know, uh, one major event that happened was my practice was about five years in practice and it was kind of having a hard time. And one of the providers at that time said, this practice cannot sustain. So, And mm -hmm. I don't want to stay with the sinking ship. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so he kind of dared me that I'm not going to survive for even another year. And that was 12 years back. So we just celebrated 17 years of our practice. And yeah, that dare really got me to kind of rethink and uh, rejuvenate my practice. Same was when I was trying to get into medical school. The interviewer said that this girl is too shy and lacks leadership qualities. Till today, I'm proving him wrong. So. <laughs> And you see this beautiful concept of dare to heal, it's really meant as an opportunity for each person to give themselves a chance to dare and go within. And you know, that untapped victory can be yours. And so that gift of, of um, transformation 
and, and change becomes invaluable. Um, and it all starts when you dare, that first moment when you take the dare and you dare. And with guidance and support, you can heal. Wonderful, so, wonderful. What a powerful concept. Thank you. So can you take us through the steps you just mentioned? So what's the first step? Right. So there's seven steps in how to face adversity in life. Well, there's not only seven steps, but there's seven steps that I'm going to sort of uncover today. And so the first action step is uh, exactly what you see on the screen. Name your emotion. So you want to name or identify the emotion. So you want to ask yourself, what am I feeling in this moment? You know, research suggests that there is about 30% of therapeutic relief when we're just able to uh, identify the emotion that we're experiencing. It, it gives us a chance to separate from it a little bit. And that, and when, and then we know what we're truly feeling. So we, we have awareness. We're bringing it to our awareness. So when you do that, you can list what emotion it is or how many or what the emotions are, however many there are. And then pay attention to how heavy each one feels. So you can scale it. You can ask yourself from, from a scale of zero to 100, how much am I feeling? X emotion, Y emotion, Z, right? And you can kind of get a sense of, oh, which one's the heavy one? Or, or wow, they're all kind of the same. Or, but it gives you a chance to sort of activate that process of awareness. Mm -hmm. And What's the second one? The second one is a reality check. So this is where you fact check, right? So this is where you're examining your thoughts that you're experiencing. You want to examine like and pay attention to what is true. You want to pay attention to what is actually going on in the situation. You know, not what you're worried about or what you believe could happen. Just what is in plain sight in front of you, right? And when we're in fear, when we face adversity, often that the moment those the feelings of fear are very strong and so we tend to look at really help into bringing ourselves back into the present state wonderful so what's the third third one the third step is to identify what parts you have control over there's going to be things we don't have control over but there's certainly a lot more that we have control over than we realize and so this is also a place where we get to start to look at how you can contribute to your situation. What can you do or say in that particular situation? What what might be the things that you you can't control, like or, like other people, right? Uh, what they say, what they do, or an environmental factor, right? So, I remember being on a plane one time and we were we couldn't take off because there was like an engine problem, and we had a connecting flight to take, which likely we were going to miss if the plane didn't take off. Does it mean we're still not going to get to our destination? Yeah, we will, but the path's going to be a bit different, right? But recognizing what we can control and what we can't helps us to, to put our energy towards that. So when we identify the parts that we have control over, then we can actually start to manage what's in front of us. And yeah. in the case of the city, sorry, yeah. go ahead. No, no, I, I was just kind of saying that that's what I truly believe. And I teach it with the concept of circle of influence from Stephen Covey's system. And we've been talking about that uh, on se several programs to focus on your circle of influence, what you can do within your circle of concern. So, yeah. And the, the final thing I'd say about what you have control over is there's definitely things we can't change, but we can respond in a certain way. We can right. action things in a certain way and we can participate in a certain way. So that helps us to stay present with what we have. And not Wonderful. So what's the fourth step? 
fourth step is to get comfortably uncomfortable. People who know me in my practice, that's like, you know, that's a famous thing that I'm always saying. So get comfortably uncomfortable with your fears, right? So this is where you start dipping your toes into the unknown, right? So you're taking, you're keeping your focus on what you have control over because you've gone through the other steps and you take those steps and it might bring on discomfort. Not me, actually, it's going to bring on discomfort. Like that's what's going to happen because you're going into the unknown. But this is where you decide to pay attention to your needs while still doing the task. And you break the task down to as small of a part as you need to in order for you to be able to manage it or tolerate it or digest it, whatever it is that you need to do. And it's small enough for you to tackle. So I like using the analogy of yin yoga. And in yin yoga, they incur, it's an invitation to stretch for um, three to five minutes, right? So they invite you into a pose. And if you're anything like me, I have no stretching capacity. So, <laughs> so when I try to lean into a pose, I'm like, whoa, and then I ease back, right? So what happens there is I go in, I, I lean in, it's too much, so I ease up, up a bit. But they invite you to stay in that posture for three to five minutes. So where I, where I ended up at the end of the three to five minutes, whichever one they chose uh, for us in the class, and where I started, there's always been a progression of how much I've leaned in. And so what happens is once we find where we can be um, like comfortable with that discomfort, we sit with it, we engage with it, we breathe through it. And then before you know it, you've leaned in a little more. Sometimes we don't even realize we've leaned in further. So that's how you get comfortably uh, uncomfortable. That's wonderful. Well, like you know, different way of looking at it, at thing, and you know, becoming, let's say, comfortable with uncomfortable situation. So, well, what's the fifth one? The next step is to have permission to have your feelings in a compassionate and caring way. So, this is where you get to show yourself the loving, tender care. Really practicing self-love and asking yourself in any given moment, like, what do I need in this moment to be soothed? And then you try to give that to yourself and and you, you really hone in on what's true and important for you. And if it's something you can't give yourself, then you show yourself enough compassion to ask for it, to have your needs met, to reach out for it, or to make a plan for it, whatever it has to happen, so that you don't neglect yourself. It's just all self-love. Wonderful, wonderful. So what's the sixth step? The sixth step is turning inwards, right? So now you're putting yourself as a priority. You're deciding to take charge. Uh, you know your worth in the process. You are the most important person in the world and you have to start uh, understanding that and embodying that because you are high investment and pure worth. And if you don't see it, likely no one else will either. And the key here is also knowing that no one can do this for you. And the drive and willingness comes from within. And knowing this makes all the difference. And if I was to relate it back to my story, yeah, I think there might have been, I wouldn't say I had a pity party per se, but I would say that I might have been grappling with thinking that maybe someone needed to help me or something needed to happen, but not recognizing that what I could do, that the power was in my hands, that I had the control to do something different as soon as I turned inwards, uh, knowing that if I don't value myself, who's going to value me? So that was like a big... Uh, light bulb aha moment right right yeah i'm even trying to absorb because a lot of women especially there's so much focus on what is my priority oh my priority is my family oh my priority is my work and my priority is taking care of everything that smooth uh, runs smoothly uh -huh. where am i in my priority list 
it's usually the last one so right. yeah so that's that's very important that unless your bucket is filled you won't be able to help other people but you don't want to be totally focused on yourself you want to have this balance of self care versus other care because we are caring by nature and we cannot just go against our nature to just only focus on ourselves but if we think about if i take care of myself it in a way i'm taking care of others because then i would be there to be my best for others exactly that's the cycle of resourcing right so yeah. you're replenished so you have something to give and you're giving and they're receiving and you're able to then and then you're able to receive so the cycle of the resourcing really happens but if you spread yourself thin you'll have nothing it'll dry out right that's wonderful yeah so what's the seventh step seventh and final step that i talk about is accepting that you are perfectly imperfect and remind and in that, that it's to the, the process um, outweighs the outcome, right? So I highly, highly recommend for people that they focus on the process. There's no perfect way, there's no one way, but the key is to start. And I can't remember who is the person who has, who has said this quote, but it's, it's the quote of imperfect action is better than perfect inaction. Mm. So, so true. It's about starting, you know? Right. right. Yeah, if, if you are just, uh, and a lot of people who are perfectionists, they get into this trap because they want to be perfect before they do it, their action gets delayed for a long time. And to some degree, I'm also a perfectionist. So a lot of times, you know, things get delayed. Like my first book, I kept on working on it for so many years. It took almost 10 years to get my book out i'm grateful that it did become the bestseller when it came out i had put a lot of effort into it but you know i also then when i learned this that this imperfectly perfect is kind of it's okay i went ahead and started this happy and healthy mind with dr rosina like you know i i didn't know a lot of things and i did a lot of blunders but i'm glad because it started helping people and when somebody says oh i have watched your let's say sleep video multiple times because it helps me sleep or you know i've watched your uh food video because it is really helping me it gives me such a pleasure and i didn't know what i was doing i was just trying to bring the message from inside the office to outside but that lesson i have learned now and i think it is helping me a lot to accept myself being perfectly imperfect so thank you okay <laughs> so so how did it apply in your life how did you become perfectly imperfect or accepted yourself to be imperfect. I think I just started to keep reminding myself that I have imperfections, you know, and just owning it, you know, when, and I try my best. And as long as I'm trying my best, I have imperfections and that's okay. Wonderful, wonderful. I'm getting a request from the audience to recollect uh, all the steps one more time, please. So can we do that? Let's kind of go through each step. So number one was? The first step is to name and uh, name and identify the emotion. So what you're experiencing, being able to have clarity on what it is you're feeling. The second step is your reality check. So this is where you're checking for facts of what you're assessing the situation. You're examining what's actually true, what's actually happened. You're not focusing on the worries or what you believe could happen. For the third step is what parts do you have control over? What is in your control? So looking at what you have control over, what you don't and then focusing on the parts that you do have control over and how you respond to it is your is also in your control and the fourth step is getting comfortably uncomfortable the fifth step is 
giving yourself permission to have your feelings and doing that in a compassionate and caring way, really showing yourself love, tender care, and allowing yourself to resource, knowing that if you replenish yourself, you'll actually have something to give someone else. But if you don't, you'll deplete. The sixth step is to turn inwards and recognize that you are the only priority and you need this to take charge of your situation. And if you don't take charge, no one is going to do that for you. And the willingness that drive it comes from within. So you are the priority and you can do that guilt-free. You don't need to wait for someone to say it's okay. You have to take that initiative. And the seventh step is to accept that you are perfectly imperfect. Wonderful. Thank you so much. So my question is, some oh, somebody asked what was the fourth one again? So the fourth one is to get comfortably uncomfortable. Wonderful. So tell me what it, what would happen if people don't follow these steps in some ways, you know, they don't have to like, you know, call these steps, but most people have to go through these steps to pass their adversity and overcome their fear so that they can move on. So what would happen if they don't? Well, here's the thing is the journey is not going to be easy, right? So that just means that you're, you're letting fear run your life. And if you want to live in fear, I don't know what sort of life that's going to be and how sustainable it's going to be. And at what point that you would deteriorate or decompensate further. And the less and less control you feel, oftentimes my experience with the clients that I see is that they, they start to feel powerless and, and helpless. And I'd rather that people start looking at what is in their backyard for what they can control and take it step by step. They might not be able to control everything, but you could start with one small thing, right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes when I'm teaching my clients a gratitude journal or some other practice, and one time a client said, I can't even think about gratitude at this time. And I said, it's okay because you're not there. But there would be a point where you would, you would think, okay, am I more comfortable in this uncomfortable situation or I am ready to do something different? And when you are there, to do something different, that's when these tools would start helping you. So start taking the step when you are ready. So I think everybody has to move on, but some people get stuck in their position or in their situation for longer than needed, and then they suffer more, but then they have to get ready. And so these tools come in the place when you are ready to move on. So I was going to say with your example of gratitude, what I was going to say is that they might, the person might not be ready right now to do a gratitude journal, but if they know that I'm not ready yet, so start by saying, looking at language, I'm not ready yet, so what am I ready for? What are the steps that come in between that will help me get there? And, and then you start at step one or step two, wherever you feel like you can start, so that the goal is still in mind, but you're working the steps. Wonderful, wonderful. So in a sentence or two, can you tell me if people do follow these steps, what kind of results can they get? I mean, I think it's it's pretty clear. You'll, you'll start feeling the control. You won't be living a life filled with fear. You'll, there was the, the opportunity to feel liberated. There's a, an opportunity to, to feel spontaneous, to, mm-hmm. to invite spontaneity in because you're not worrying about everything. You're not planning everything. You're not um, hiding from things. You're just right. taking risks and it becomes more natural and organic. Right. Yeah. You become the best version of yourself. Exactly. Right. 
So at this time, I'm going to ask the audience if they want to have any questions, please put in the comment section and we'll try to answer. And while people are putting the questions, Salima, can you share about your program that you're starting tomorrow, right. I guess? Yeah, the next round does start tomorrow, it is true. So I have created a, a signature program called Name It, Tame It, and Take Back Control. And this program really helps individuals unlearn the mind's natural fear response and give you the know-how to navigate the worst that shows up when we least expect it in life. And so we've talked about fear, right? Like it, we can really start to feel stuck and sometimes we might not know how fear is stopping us in our tracks. And when we're in the place of fear, we can actually generate a lot of narratives that condition us in some way. Like you were saying, um, you know, what happens if, you know, people are not able to move, right? We get conditioned, but that's a safety behavior, right? So it's a safety behavior. And uh, it might work well in the moment, but it doesn't really serve us very well in the long run. So when we're in fear, we often lack the knowledge uh, about fact and circumstance. So this program invites people to examine their mindsets and evaluate their belief systems and the expectations that they set for themselves and other people and really see what's getting in the way to reach that desired place. And while the emphasis is, and a reminder is, yeah, keep your eye on the prize, it's still about the process in, in getting there. And so the program is essentially a chance to embark on a path, on your transformation path, where you start to navigate through fear, um, indulge in self-compassion, implement learnings and start practicing them and following the nuances of what it means to regain control and respond to adversity. So is it kind of an online program, offline videos? What is it? It is digital, but it's comprised of video learnings and less like PowerPoint lessons. And I've created guided explorations. There's, there's journaling, a journaling component, homework exercises. There's engagement in a, in a Facebook group. And there's a ton of different other resources and a workbook that's provided. So there's a lot of things that have, that have gone in. There's some virtual office hours that have also included uh, for participants. So it's like a, a, a comprehensive program and I've taken everything that I, that's my, in my wheelhouse and I've put it in a digital format given the circumstances that we're in so that I can help as many people as I can. Wonderful. So how can they access the program? Yeah. So the enrollment for the program closed yesterday because the program does start tomorrow. But for today's viewers, don't worry. What I have done is I've asked my team to open it back up earlier, earlier today so that uh, if you wanted to sign up, you still could. You, go and to you were also talking about gift that you are going to give to our audience mm -hmm. today. Yes. Yeah, so for today's viewers, you can get your complimentary call with me if you like, and you can visit here to heal .co book. The link will, I guess the link is already provided there in the description. So here to heal .co book. And, uh, so they would be able to talk to you for 15 minutes and decide if this is the program, but let's say if somebody wants to decide, join the program today and they haven't had the appointment, can they just go ahead and enroll from dare to heal.co slash take control? Yeah, so actually the, the complimentary call is, is not it's not part of the uh, Take Control program. It's just uh, something I offer if anyone wants to have a chat to kind of see if the services that I provide is a good fit, but people can enroll directly into the program. Wonderful, wonderful. And so somebody's asking how to get the links and you can text JOYFUL at 38470 and we will share the links. The link was also showing on the screen so you can review that. And it's we're kind of coming coming to the end. Actually, we are past our time. So let me jump to the special of the day, which oh. I think is very, very relevant to what we were talking about today. 
And so are you ready for the special? Yeah. <laughs> All right. This helps for people, you know, some, one time my friend said like, there are so many obstacles in life, you know, one after the other, after the other, how can you enjoy life? You know, you, you can see like, you know, so many disasters happening right now and the personal life issues. How, how can you have a perspective that would help you enjoy life? So I said, what if we think life as a trip to Disney world? And she said, what? <laughs> and uh, so when I kind of described my analogy, it made really good sense to her and her, her eyes lit up and she felt excited about enjoying even the negative experiences in life. So let me ask you, have you ever been to Disney World? Sorry, so is that the one that's in Florida? Yeah, yeah. The Disney World is in Florida. Disneyland is in California. <laughs> the one in Orlando. Yeah, yeah. So I had a trip a few years to uh, to the one in Florida, and it was a week long trip. And there were a bunch of disasters on the way. So the first disaster was uh, on the airport when we lost our luggage. So <laughs> how would you feel when you lose your luggage of a week week long trip? Right. Oh yeah, that would be horrendous. Yeah, yeah. My friend said like you know. I would say my, my vacation is spoiled and I would ask them to give me the ticket back and I would want to go back. <laughs> and I said, okay, so that was the time when I was in learning to apply mindfulness tools in my life. I'm still a student of mindfulness, but it's every day is a new day. But anyways, uh, we had this approach. I said, okay, we are going to enjoy no matter what. So that's what my mantra was. I was saying it before we go. And most of the time I would carry some essential stuff always in my hand carry. But that time I said, we want to travel light. And I put everything, like everything, including my brush and, you know, the basic supplies, except, you know, my phone and my wallet and stuff. And so here on the airport, we are standing by the luggage and the luggage is not coming. And we are kind of, our, our stress level is going, uh, going up, up, up. And we check and they say, oh, your luggage was put on a different plane. Okay. So it's not going, we will try to get it back, but it may not come back for a few days. And we said, like, we are on the trip for a few days. So anyways, as we were getting worked up, I, my mantra helped me. I said, okay, we are on vacation. We are going to enjoy no matter what. Okay, so we are on vacation, we can enjoy this experience. This is negative experience. We cannot enjoy, you know, the negative experience, but we can experience the experience fully. Right. So by changing that thing, you know, getting frustrated about losing the luggage, I said, okay, let's experience this experience. It's part of our vacation. And so we went and enjoyed the shopping at Target. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> and then, um, uh, the next day when we went for the trip, you know, there are these uh, rides when, you know, you go like really zoom down. And so as we were going zoom down, it was so scary and I was feeling nauseated and stuff. And and still like, you know, came out and went to the next ride thing. Okay, it was, it was horrible and it was scary and I felt nauseated, but it was exhilarating. I want to do it again. And so I went to another ride and another ride. And there were many bunch of other mishap happened on that trip but having that mindfulness approach having that approach okay this is an experience and i'm going to experience it fully really helped me get through that vacation and there was no regret at the end of the trip that we did not enjoy the trip so if you apply the same concept to life 
life is life on earth is but a small journey a part of the journey of the soul if you believe in the soul's journey this is only a small part and at the end of the trip you know you don't want to leave any regret that you did not enjoy or experience all the experiences some are scary some some are negative some are positive but you want to experience life fully all with all its ups and downs and so so my friend said yeah that that makes sense it would help me cope with these negative experiences are also part of experiences and i'm going to enjoy it fully so on that message i would say to my to the audience today remember what comes to you is not in your control but how you respond to it is in your control make an intentional choice you can do it till next time dr rosie